Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 6. Psalm chapter 6. There are Bibles on the table if you didn't bring a Bible with you. It's, uh, you know, it felt weird for me to uh, prepare for and then share a message in God's Word at another church with other people, but to not share that message with our church, with our people, with you all. Usually if I go uh, guest teach somewhere else, it's, you know, it's kind of an outflow of things that I've been sharing here, um, but that was not the case this past Weekend, And uh, so I, I want us this morning to look at Psalm chapter 6 before we jump back into our study in the book of Acts next week. Uh, but I've titled this message on Psalm 6, Confidence in Times of Difficulty. Confidence in Times of Difficulty. And as I prepared for this study in Psalm 6, uh, I, I thought about, you know, in considering the Psalms, I thought about how powerful music or songs can be, whether that's just instruments, whether that's uh, just lyrics, it's a chorus or a choir, maybe it's a, a band together, but music or songs, they can provoke strong emotions in us. Uh, joy, we can sing along loudly to songs, they can bring sadness to us, they can bring us to tears, I can think about times of my life where, you know, maybe I went through something weird and I purposefully listened to really depressing songs. Isn't that weird? Like, to do that? Like, that when we're in a weird place, we can find ourselves going to something that's just really depressing because we just want to be more depressed than we already are. But that can happen in our lives. You know, music or songs, they can make us angry, Bring about some angst. You could be like me as a, new, as a junior higher and be into hardcore music and want to, you know, when you hear certain music, want to run around in a circle with like doing the windmill and knocking into people and, and uh, joining a mosh pit. Music songs, they can transport us to another time and place as songs can be strongly attached to memories and moments of time. And uh, I'll give some personal examples of this. When I hear the song Baby Baby by Amy Grant, if you listen to contemporary Christian music, actually it wasn't even contemporary Christian music because that was like her foray into like non-Christian music at that point in time and everyone labeled her like a really bad person. Um, but Baby Baby, when I, when I think about that song, I can remember how my music teacher, my vocal teacher at the time as a, as a preteen made me sing that song at a yogurt shop in Southern California in, uh, in Orange County where I lived. And uh, really awkward, really weird. I don't know why my vocal teacher picked Baby Baby for like a 12-year-old boy <laughs> to sing at a yogurt shop. That's just all kinds of awkward and strange. But I did it. When I hear the song Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, I, I think about my high school era and watching the movie Wayne's World and Wayne and Garth are rocking out in their car uh, to that song. When, when me and my wife Angela are together and we hear the song Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon, uh, that song, not that that song was new when we 
when we were listening to it as a dating couple, but it, it transports us back to about 22 years earlier when we were just a young dating couple falling in love with each other. And, and, and even in more recent years, uh, I, could, I could think about different songs when going through some really difficult seasons, even in church planting and pastoring. I could think about, uh, you know, four or five years ago, the, the song... Uh, do it again by elevation worship, Lord. You know, we're, we, we, we believe you're going to do it again. You can move mountains. And, and thinking back to that time of, of feeling discouraged in ministry and just hearing that song and being stirred with encouragement that God is able to do things again. He's able to, to uh, you know, move mountains. He's able to, uh, you know, make make a, a mountain a plain, as, you know, the Lord spoke to, um, you know, uh, Zerubbabel uh, back in Zechariah chapter 4. And so, you know, with all the countless songs that have been written throughout human history, I think, uh, who was it, Charles Wesley wrote something like 8,000 hymns in his life. That's just one person writing, a, writing songs. But all throughout human history, all the songs, and they can all affect us in different ways. And as much as, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody can make me want to, you know, rock my head back and forth, and Ario Speedwagon, you know, Can't Fight This Feeling can, can make my wife and I look at each other and start singing the song to one another loudly in a car or something, or Baby Baby makes me cringe, uh, you know, the Lord uses songs even, to minister to our hearts. Songs can be powerful in that way to minister to us in the deepest part of, of our being, in our soul, and in our relationship with the Lord. And, and songs can even be used ultimately to worship the Lord, to bring honor and glory and praise to Him. And so in our Bibles, we have a collection of songs. They're called psalms. They're written by real people. These people experienced real things, and they had a real God who they wrote these songs to or wrote these songs about, and the same God they worshipped. Yahweh is the same God we are worshipping today, and, and while many of these psalms hit on the same sorts of themes, each one can be used by the Lord to minister to us where we're at and to worship the Lord, to, to bring glory to Him, and I pray God uses this specific psalm to do both of those things in, in our lives, in our time of gathering. So again, confidence in times of difficulty. Let's start by reading the inscription at the beginning of the psalm, Psalm 6. Uh, if your Bible has this, not every Bible uh, translation always includes the inscriptions, but Psalm 6, at the, at the top of the psalm there, it says, To the chief musician with stringed instruments on an eight-stringed harp, a psalm of David. Uh, and I just want to say really quick that, you know, some of the times when you read some of these things, it's like on Sheminith with Hegioth, and it's like some of this stuff just sounds very like like death metal to me. Like some of the descriptions and the, you know, like on Sheminith with an eight stringed harp. And then it like in the psalm, it's like, Lord, break their teeth. You're like, this is. This is one of those ones where you start doing the windmill and running around in a circle, right? Uh, but I don't think they did that. But anyways, well, while there are psalms there's, uh, that are written and were given some of the context of why they were written, 
or when they were written, Psalm 6 is not one of those psalms. We don't know when or why David wrote this, but we're going to see in this psalm that David was dealing clearly with discouragement and even depression because of things in his mind or externally, externally in his circumstances. That David was dealing with some sort of physical illness and suffering that brought about uncertainty of whether he was going to die because of it. And David was not a dramatic sort of person. He was a very strong individual. He was a warrior. He but he was also very sensitive. You can see it in the Psalms that he wrote. But David thought, I'm, I might die here. And we see even from this psalm that there may have even been some sin that David committed. And because of that, the conviction or consequence of that sin was weighing heavily upon him. And added to that, it's important for us to see that this psalm was not some sort of secret diary entry. This wasn't something David wrote that he just sort of planned to put in his pocket and keep for himself. Like, wow, I wrote this really interesting song, and I'm just going to keep it between me and the Lord. I don't really want other people to know the stuff that's going on in my life. No, David wrote this, and he addressed it to the choir master. This was the, the person who was kind of overseeing the, the, the praise aspect of the tabernacle at that point in time. And this song would have been accompanied by stringed instruments and most likely singing. So other people would have been singing these songs. I'm weak. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, I feel like I'm going to die. You know, it's like David was okay with other people knowing what was going on in his life. Not only was this psalm, the song of lament, it was a psalm or a song of testimony for others to hear or read so that others, including us today, could know that in our times of difficulty, we can have confidence in the Lord as well, and we're going to divide this psalm into two sections. In verses 1 through 7, we're going to see David crying out to the Lord. And then in verses 8 through 10, we're going to see David's confident declaration about the Lord. And so let's begin by reading verses 1 through 7. David writing here, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. In the midst of everything David was potentially dealing with in his life at this point in time, we need to notice that David turned to the Lord in prayer. You ever go through something and the first place you turn is internally? You turn inward? You, you start kind of like just, you start processing it and you, you want to figure it out on your own and you're starting to work out your plan, how you're going to 
make this thing work, how you're going to bring change in this circumstance that you're dealing with. What can I do differently? How, how can I overcome this thing? And, or, or maybe our first place of turning is outward. We start looking to our friends and, and we're looking to the world and we're looking for someone else and, and we just kind of want to we, we go that direction and I want to hear what, and what do you have to say and what, and what do you think and, and, and we want to gather all the counsel that we possibly can and while there's godly counsel and it's biblical for us to, you know, to bear one another's burdens, that means that sh- we have to share our burdens in, other, in order for someone else to bear it. But, but the most important place for us to turn, the first place that you and I should turn, just from the example of David, is to the Lord. It's to the Lord. He cries out, he addresses his prayer. This psalm, by saying, oh Lord, he cries out to his God, to Yahweh. See, whatever lack of confidence David might have been wrestling with because of his circumstances, he was confident that he could come to the Lord with all of his circumstances and difficulties. And I want to encourage us today, in light of David's example here, that the way for us to receive confidence in times of difficulty, in times of trouble, is by coming to the Lord. It's by seeking him. It's by being reminded of who he is and what he's done and what he's said. We don't know all the circumstances David was dealing with, but we do see what David did when he faced difficulty. That he turned to the Lord, he cried out in prayer to the Lord, and his example is one that we need to follow here. You know... There's these moments in this psalm where David really seemed to be confident in the Lord. But then there's these other moments where he, he doesn't seem very confident. In fact, if we look at all the psalms that David wrote, I think we could probably come up with a pretty good like, list of things where it's like David's just so confident. And then there's other things where it's like David almost seems like he has no confidence in the Lord. Like David's just like, you know, confidence is built over time. You and I get confident in relationships through experience and through things that prove that someone's trustworthy, right? And we, and we can lean upon them. And, and, you know, confidence in our car goes down when it's breaking. Confidence in our bodies goes down when it starts to fall apart and it's aging and it's not working properly. But confidence kind of ebbs and flows at time, even in our relationship with the Lord. There's moments where we might look back at things in our life and we're like, God, you can do anything. We go through circumstances, we go through situations, and we see God show up, we see God move, and it's like, we come away with this confidence, like, God, nothing can stop you. You can provide in any circumstance. You can open any door. You can handle any problem. Lord, you can bring healing in any sort of situation. And we, we have that sort of confidence because of something that, has happened, that confidence has been built in the Lord through things, but then there can be other times where we just completely forget that the Lord did all of those things in the first place. That's why in the Psalms, we'll see the psalmist at times reminding their soul about things. 
Because you and I forget, and that forgetfulness affects our confidence. When we forget how God's shown up, when we forget his goodness, when we forget his character, when we forget his promises, it affects our confidence right now. It, it affects our confidence in how we move forward, in the things of life, in our relationships, in our job, in how we seek to be witnesses for the Lord. And at times, we don't feel very confident. Maybe our confidence is not where we would like it to be. And yet God is still present. He's still working. Even in those moments where we're forgetting. Can, can you imagine in our relationships if we had built up, let's say in a marriage, you built up all of this relational equity of trust. All these things over time of someone being faithful. And then your, your spouse goes, I just, I don't remember anything you've done in the last 30 years. I don't remember anything you've, and you know, when a fight happens, that's when you forget things. <laughs> you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, in, in certain marital discord, it can be like, well, you always do something, or you never do this. Don't ever, don't ever use always and never in an argument, Okay. Just an just a encouragement. But, but we do that with the Lord in our relationship with the Lord. We forget things, and yet he's still patient. He's still gracious. He still works. He's still present. David could definitely look back at times in his life where God showed up and forgave and healed and delivered and protected and provided. But then he could write a psalm like this where he seemed to just struggle with being completely confident in the Lord. And, it, and this just reminds us that each moment brings a new opportunity to have confidence in the Lord. And in those moments, even when we're lacking in faith, even when we're filled with doubt, that God is present and that he wants to make us confident in him. But, but once David turns to the Lord, once he cries out in prayer to the Lord, we find David in verses 1 through 3 of Psalm chapter 6. And then in verse 5 through the first part of verse 8, bringing the things he was facing to the Lord, like feeling the conviction of sin, experiencing physical sickness and suffering, and, and even mental and emotional suffering, feeling distant from the Lord, in need of mercy and healing and deliverance and salvation, wondering if death was near and, and having his nights filled with groaning, and weeping because of his enemies. You know, there's a lot of things that I cannot connect with David on. When I look at David's life, I cannot, I cannot connect with warrior David. I'm not going and grabbing a hold of, like, the beard of a bear or a lion because it's wanting to take my sheep. Just don't see that happening in my life. I'm like, darn, I've got one less sheep. It's its life or mine at that point. Like, you know what? Let's get the rest of the herd away. 
sorry, buddy. <laughs> sorry, Fluffy. I can't connect with him on commander of the Lord's, uh, you know, commander of Saul's army, David, even. Like, that's not, I don't have a military sort of background. I'm appreciative for those that do. I, even pastoring a church, I can't connect with David as King David. Like, that overseeing a whole realm, like, judge of the nation. Like, there are a lot of things that I cannot connect with David on. But when I think about the things that David writes about here, there's so much that we can connect with David on because we sin we, we deal with weakness we need mercy we we have the fear of death at times we deal with relational issues like there's so many things that maybe we can connect with David maybe discouragement maybe with depression with suffering and sickness there's something here where God would use these things to connect in our lives we don't know all the details surrounding David's time of difficulty, but it's clear that David dealt with very difficult things. And he needed the Lord's help. You know, there are things that can rob us of godly confidence. And, and it's important that we think of confidence in the right terms, because I think we look at the world around us and there's a lot of very confident people. You can be very confident in your job. You can be very confident in your skill set. You can be, be very confident in whatever task that you have before you. But there is a difference between godly confidence and sort of a prideful sort of confidence. A self-reliant sort of confidence that we need to make sure that we don't fall into as people and there are things that can rob us of that right kind of godly confidence and difficult circumstances are some of those things whether it's physical or spiritual or or mental and emotional once david cries out to the lord in the beginning of verse one we see in verses one through three that david must have been dealing with some sort of illness or suffering physically that was also weighing upon him mentally and emotionally david says that he was weak and that his bones and this word bones is speaking to the whole self his whole body were troubled and that his soul that speaking of the inner self of the mind and emotions was also greatly troubled and this must have been so serious because in verse 5 he goes on to talk about death but in light of those things, David cries out to the Lord in verses 1 and 2 to not rebuke him in his anger. To not chasten or discipline him in his hot displeasure, his wrath, but to have mercy on him. Now it's possible that David was just sort of coming to his own conclusion here. Assuming that because of the sickness and suffering and, and mental anguish he was going through that he was in sin. And being disciplined by the Lord and that the Lord was angry with him and was punishing him. And, and if that was the case, you know, even for us, we might connect in that way. It could be a very human response for us when we're dealing with sickness and suffering and, and, and mental anguish or depression. To, to right away think that we did something wrong, that we sinned, that God's punishing us or even that God has distanced himself from us. 
And it's important that we know what God's word says about these things so that we can have the right kind of godly confidence in how we view suffering and depression and discouragement so we know how to view and handle those things if we're experiencing them but also if someone else is because if we look at the life of job and we consider what job went through and we consider job's friends who became counselors to him even if he never asked them to be his counselors i don't know that we see a moment where job's like hey guys let me tell you my situation can you speak into my life they're like, hey, let me sit with you for a few days. We'll just be silent, but let's tell you how in sin you are. That's why God took away all your kids. That's why God took away all that you had. And we see that there, our view of suffering can actually be something not that's, not, that's not just detrimental to us, but that's detrimental in how we seek to comfort and minister to other people at times. We have to be careful of how we seek to minister in different situations but on the other side of that we also need to know that one of the things that will rob us of confidence toward the lord is unconfessed or unrepentant sin if there's sin in our life that we aren't confessing to the lord or we're not repenting of before the Lord, as a loving Father, God will discipline us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 11 speaks really clearly into that. And if that's where we're at, you know, maybe it's not we're just thinking that God's angry with us because of maybe our own sort of emotions and what we're dealing with, but maybe there actually is some sin there in our lives that's, that's not being repented of before the Lord. If that's where we're at, confession and repentance are a necessity and if that's us we need to humbly submit to the disciplining hand of god but even in that even if that's us we can have confidence as, as sons and daughters of god who have put their faith in jesus christ that even when we sin the lord will not rebuke us in anger he will not discipline us in wrath because jesus took the wrath that was meant for you and for me when he hung on the cross of Calvary in our place. It's because the Lord loves us that he'll discipline us. But his discipline is always rooted in love. You know, you and I are able to have a confidence this side of the cross that David did not have before the cross. But, but even in that place where David was lacking confidence, he responded the right way with humility, asking the Lord to have mercy on him because he was weak. And again, I just want us to remember that, that David's writing this for other people to hear or to read. He's going, I am weak. You know, we don't know, again, what point in his life. Was this David as you know a commander in Saul's army or is this David as king either one you wouldn't want to go hey guys I'm weak like look how weak I am none of us and it's not even just a guy thing not one person likes to go around and talk about how weak they are it just doesn't happen 
We don't like people to know that we deal with weakness, that we struggle. Social media is one of the places where this shows the strongest. We always want to portray ourselves in the best possible way. Always. Now, occasionally, there'll be people who like to post like, oh, I just got out of bed. Look at how crazy my hair is. That's very rare, though. Like, (laughs) the common thing is, look at me all put together. Look at me after I've taken a shower. Look at me after I've bought my new outfit. Look at me in my nice, clean car. Look at me in this nice lighting that I'm in. Look at me in this camera angle that shows my best side. Because, you know, this side has a big scar on my nose from where I had surgery. I, wanna, I want the left side. You know, we, we want to, to put ourselves in a position where we're not showing weakness, but we deal with weakness all the time. We're inherently weak on our own. And we don't like to admit that. But David had a humility before the Lord and others. That, that's such an example for us. That David would be able to say, look, I'm weak, I've sinned, and I need God's mercy. What a powerful thing when a parent talks to their kids and says, look, I sinned. I was wrong. I need your forgiveness. I need mercy from you. To be able to model that sort of humility to others, it's contagious. It it builds something in other people, a confidence toward the Lord in others. When you let other people know that you also need the mercy of the Lord just like they do, man, it it gives people permission. It gives them encouragement to want to press into the Lord for that same mercy that you're telling them you need because they need it too just like you and me do. David didn't ask for mercy because he thought he was worthy or deserving of mercy. Like, well, God, look at how great I am. Of course you want to be merciful to me. I'm a gift to you, Lord. Look at all the songs that I write. Look at how great of a warrior I am. Look at how great I lead your kingdom. Like, no, he's like, I'm weak. (laughs) And I just, Lord, I need mercy from you. He knew he didn't deserve the Lord's mercy, but he was confident in the character of his God, that his Lord was a God who showed mercy to the humble. And I want us to grab a hold of David's confidence this morning, that we would be confident that our God is abundant in mercy, a never-ending supply of mercy. That we would know that every single morning, the Lord's mercies are made new to us. Why? Because we're such a prize? I mean, if we consider us, when we consider the condition of our world, when we consider all the evil, all the wickedness, all the sin, all the wrongs, like, we, we aren't like this great gift to God. Look, God, we're a gift to you, aren't we? Aren't we so great? This is why you love us. This is why you sent your son, because we're just awesome. We look around and we're like, we are jacked up. 
our whole world is jacked up. Everything's going down the tube. If anything, we go, Lord, why would you want us? <laughs> why would you send your son for us? Why would you want to be merciful to us? Why? Because, not because we're great, but because he's great. Not because we're just so loving and so great, but because he's so loving and great. And not only does David ask for mercy, he asks the Lord for healing in verse 2. And for deliverance and salvation in verse 4. David had confidence because of what he knew of the character of the Lord. To come to the Lord in prayer, to, to ask the Lord for mercy. But we also see that David had confidence because of what he knew of the power of the Lord. To ask the Lord to heal and to deliver and to save. Whether it was the physical illness and suffering he was dealing with or the mental or emotional suffering he was dealing with or the circumstantial suffering as a result of his enemies that he was dealing with. David was confident that the Lord had power to do something about the difficulties he was facing. And again, I want us to grab a hold of David's confidence that we would be confident as well in the power of our God, that he is able He's able. Now, does he always show up exactly like we want him to? No, he doesn't. You know, how many of us have had prayers where it didn't turn out at all like we were praying? God didn't do the thing that we wanted him to do. We found out God was actually not our personal genie. The way that we might have thought in a certain moment of time. I can testify of that being true in my own life. In the past 27 years, I've been walking with the Lord. You know, maybe some have been praying, and you've been praying and praying, but you're still struggling. You're still in the trial, or the sickness, or the suffering, or whatever difficulty You've been facing. Look, we need to trust in the power of God to meet us while we're still in the midst of the difficulty when things haven't yet changed, when we haven't seen the miracle we've been praying for. David still prayed for healing and deliverance. And this reminded me of Luke chapter 18, where Luke prefaces a parable that Jesus gave of the unjust judge and a, a widow. In the beginning, before you know, Jesus gives that parable, Luke says that Jesus gave this parable so that men would always pray and never lose heart. Why would Luke put that there? Because we are prone to lose heart in prayer. We're prone to lose heart. It, it's easy to give up. It's easy to, you know, there's times, there's things that happen. We don't see the fulfillment of the thing we've been praying for. And we just kind of go, well, it is what it is. Nothing's going to change. It, it hasn't changed, so obviously it's never going to change. 
but we're to always pray and not lose heart. Sometimes our lack of prayerfulness is because we have a lack of confidence in the character of God and in the power of God. You ever notice that in your life? You can maybe draw that correlation. Your lack of prayerfulness is because you have a lack of confidence in the character of God, but also in the power of God. What, what does that mean? Like sometimes we, we think, I don't know if God's going to be faithful here. I know he's been faithful in the past, but I don't know about right now. I've seen God move powerfully in this other situation in my life, but I don't know about this situation. I don't know about this thing. But look, even in those areas where we lack in confidence in the Lord in prayer, God wants to meet us in that place. He's, he's able to heal and deliver and save. He may not do the thing that we want. Sometimes that healing, sometimes that healing that we've been praying for is actually fulfilled in us being made whole in his presence in heaven. Sometimes it's not on this side of eternity. But that doesn't make God less able. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for those things. Don't lose heart. But considering this passage here, I want us to notice in the second half of verse 3 through verse 7 that even with the confidence David had about the character and power of the Lord, that, the, that David still wrestled with a lack of confidence of understanding the ways of the Lord. After praying for mercy and for healing in verse 3, David cries out, but you, O Lord, how long? How long? David knew God was merciful. He knew God was powerful, but there were things that he just didn't know that he was uncertain about when it came to the ways and the timing of the Lord as he faced difficulty. And he wanted to know when the Lord was going to step in, when the Lord was going to heal, when the Lord was going to help, when the Lord was going to intervene, when, when God was going to bring change to him, his circumstances, when the Lord was going to cause the illness or the suffering or the depression to go away or to cause his enemies to flee. He just wanted to know when, God, when, how long. You ever go through a time of chastening from the Lord or, or go, go through some sort of illness or suffering or, or a time of feeling deeply troubled in your soul, maybe fear or anxiety or depression or grieving, or maybe go through a situation where others were against you and asked the Lord, how long? Wow, you're such a sinner. No, that's not the right concluding statement. David did. I think all of us have had those moments where we just go, God, what are you doing? <laughs> God, if I were you, I would not have done things like that. God, if I were you, I would have already stepped in. You know that 11th hour sort of like people will go like, God steps in at the 11th hour. We're like, God, it's already the next day. 
the 11th hour has come and gone and I didn't see you. Lord, I would have, I mean, I would have done it at the first hour. Don't wait till the 11th hour. Why are you making me wait so long? God, why haven't you moved in this thing? But here's the thing, even with that sort of questioning, even with the how longs and the the whys that we might struggle with, that David clearly struggled with, I want us to know that God can handle those things. Can handle those things. Sometimes we just, we get so caught up in the, the, the what and the why and the, the when in our prayers to the Lord that we actually just, it, it can create a hardness even in our hearts towards the Lord. Start to grow a little cold towards the Lord. Because we're just kind of holding those questions to ourselves. And it becomes almost like a strife between us and God. But instead, if we would just give all the whys and whats and the how longs to him, to trust that he can handle that, trust that he can handle us just pouring out everything, all of our angst, all of our problems, all of our struggles onto him. You know, even with the uncertainty David had regarding the ways and the timing of the Lord and the things he was facing, he didn't allow his difficulties or his uncertainties or or his areas of doubt to push him away from the Lord. But instead, we see that those things actually drove him to seek after the Lord. His response in verse 4 was to ask the Lord to return and deliver and save and show mercy. Instead of asking the Lord why he was allowing David to go through all he was going through, he called out to the Lord to just return, to draw near. Because ultimately, David just wanted that closeness of fellowship with his God. And even with the uncertainty he had regarding his health and thinking that his illness, his suffering, that might lead to his death, as we see in verse 5, Ultimately, David just desired the Lord, wanted more opportunities to keep praising the Lord, to testify about what the Lord had done. But I I think even in that, we see some of the humanness of David again. David's like, God, in death there's no remembrance. I mean, you go to the graveyard, like people, the, 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 the carcasses in the grave aren't crying out of like the faithfulness of God. They're not declaring the praises of God. They're silent now. Like, God, if I'm like then, like, what good is there in that? But I think in that human sort of state, it shows something that often we can do where we feel like death is a downgrade for us. And instead, to see biblically from the things that we see in God's word. That death is not a downgrade. Death is an infinite upgrade for you and for me. See, we stick around here and we're like, God, just, you know, what was it, Hezekiah or one of the kings that like, God, just, he's going to die. A prophet comes to him, Hezekiah, you're going to die. And he's like, gets all somber. He turns over on his bed, it says, and he 
cries out to the Lord, and so God has mercy on him, extends his life, I think something like 14 years or something. But that extension of life was not a positive thing in the end. His son that he had in that last period of life, if he, if he hadn't died, was like one of the worst kings of Israel. He was like super evil. He led the people into all kinds of evil things. And we think, gosh, the extending of just living longer, that's the, that's the solution. And God's like, actually, being with me is the solution. Being with me, being in my presence, being made whole having no more tears, no more trials, no more pain, no more relational weirdness, no more viruses, no more sicknesses, no more junk that we see in the world, no more wars. Like, it's all going to be better in heaven. We, we want it to be better here, and that's not a bad thing to pray for things to be better. It's not a bad thing to want to keep living to bring glory to the Lord now. That's not a bad thing not bad to pray those things, but we do need a better vision of, of, of death, a better perspective of death as believers to see, God, you actually have so much more in store for me in heaven. You know, yeah, maybe I can't praise you anymore here, but I'll be praising you in your presence for all eternity. Man, that's so much better. But while we're here, we still can praise him. While we're here, we can still testify of his goodness. While we're here, we can still share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others so that others can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus as well. David laments, he, verses 6 and 7, he's talking about making his bed weep or uh, float with tears and swim with tears. But just, we see that David was overwhelmed. He was filled with grief because of enemies. But he still brought everything to the Lord. That just reminds us, as Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, David, uh, Peter's such a good example, uh, sorry, David's such a good example here of what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, where he says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You know, sometimes we feel like maybe God doesn't care, and so we keep our cares. We hold on to the cares. And, and when we hold on to the cares, those cares end up being a weight upon our shoulders that just, they bury us, weighs us down. And God's going, look, I care about your cares. I care about the things that are close to your heart, the things that are the, are, are the things that bring you fear and worry and anxiety, the, the sickness, the struggle, all the stuff that you're facing, the, the financial difficulties, the relational difficulties. I care about all those things. I care about the, the feelings of like, God, what's going to happen? The lack of direction, the lack of clarity. God cares about those things, and he just wants us to unload all of that onto him because he cares for us. And he's actually the only one who can fully do something about all of our cares. You tell somebody else that you're depressed or discouraged or whatever, someone can try to cheer you up. But they can't physically do something to change that part in you or me. Can't. But God can. God can. And finally, in verses 8 through 10, we see David's confident declaration about the Lord. Verse 8, 
It says, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. You know, there's a lot of languages in this world that we don't understand. Even if you're someone who's really good linguistically. You can know a bunch of different languages. You ever go on like YouTube or something and you see like some, there's like a young white guy who like just, he has a gift with languages and he can sound exactly like, it's not just like, you know, someone who can speak another language, but they still sound like an American speaking another language. Um, But he like perfectly gets all the intonation, all the different things. And he'll go to like a store and he'll start speaking to someone in this other language and they're like tripping out. Like, how the heck is this, this kid doing this, you know? It, we think about all the languages, but there's, there's a language that's universal. And it's the language of weeping. We hear somebody weeping. We might not understand their, their, their words, but the weeping itself we understand. There's hurt there. There's sorrow, there's grieving. We might not understand the full extent of that. But I love this, that David says, Lord, the Lord hears, he's heard my weeping. That God hears that deepest part, that deepest groaning of us, those, those deepest things that no one else can really understand or get. He hears that. He cares about that part. But, but there's a notable shift here in verse 8 which comes after David has poured out his heart to the Lord. He makes this do- de- uh, confident declaration now in these last verses that the Lord had heard the voice of his weeping, the Lord had heard his supplication, and that the Lord would receive his prayer. We don't know what might have changed here. You know, m- maybe, Maybe this psalm was something that David wrote over a period of time. Like he started writing it and then, you know, maybe some weeks passed and all of a sudden David's feeling better. Maybe he's feeling encouraged. Maybe his enemies had been dealt with. You know, maybe, maybe the sickness is gone. He's feeling sort of the, the load of the sin maybe that he was carrying kind of lifted by the Lord. And the Lord gives him encouragement. He's been forgiven. We don't, we don't know if that happened. But what could have also happened is that while, while the things still were all unresolved, maybe while he was still dealing with the discouragement, maybe while the Lord was still chastening him, maybe while the enemies were still there, maybe while the sickness and the suffering was still going on, that, that David came to a point as he wrote these words of being able to rest in and trust in the Lord as he remembered again the character and the power of his God. You know, we don't need our circumstances to change to experience the peace of the Lord. You don't need enemies to flee. You don't need all the depression to leave or the discouragement to leave. You don't need the sickness to to be healed to in the midst of those things be able to experience the peace 
of God that surpasses all understanding. God doesn't just have peace for us when the difficulty has been worked out, when the trial's over, when the sickness has been healed, when the discouragement is gone, when the relational strain is mended, when the financial difficulty's been figured out. No, he has peace for us now. He has confidence for you and for me now before we see the outcome. He has all sufficient grace for each of us right now. And because of the confidence David had received through prayer, he was able to no longer be consumed with fear because of his enemies, but could trust that the Lord would cause them to turn back in shame at what they had done to him, that the Lord was able to fight for him and bring about victory. David, wasn't, David was confident that the Lord hadn't just heard his weeping and tears, but that he had accepted that God had received his prayers and that confidence of the Lord receiving, the Lord accepting his prayers did something in David's heart and mind and in how he viewed his situation. And for us as the people of God, that same reality that the Lord has not only heard our weeping and prayers, but that he's received our prayers should do something in our hearts and in our minds as we view the things that we're going through as well. You know, David's example here in this psalm reminds us that the way for us to receive confidence in times of difficulty is by coming to the Lord, by seeking the Lord, by being reminded of who he is and what he's done and what he said. And in those areas where we're lacking in confidence, in times of difficulty, maybe we're filled with fear or doubt or uncertainty would we not allow those things to push us away from the Lord, but, but through the example of David, would we instead allow those things to drive us even more to the feet of Jesus, that we would come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, as we're told in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. I want to encourage us grab, to grab a hold of David's confidence today, confident in the character of our God and also confident in the power of our God and be people of humility who bring all that we're dealing with to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. We can have confidence no matter what we're facing that the Lord has heard the voice, voice of our weeping He's heard our supplications, that he will receive our prayers, that he has mercy for us, forgiveness for sin, that he has grace to help in time of need, that he's able to heal and to deliver, he, and, that, and that he wants to save. Like the Lord knows what you and I are dealing with. He knows what kind of things that we're facing. He sees and he cares and he wants to minister to each of us today but we've got to cast our cares upon him. You know, we don't have to look any further than the cross and what Jesus did on Calvary to be reminded how greatly God loves, how, how much God cares for, for us, that he would send his only son to die for us so that we could spend eternity with him in heaven. 
you know, maybe today there's some hopelessness in some of the things that you're facing, but I want to remind us that Jesus Christ is our hope. Our circumstances might not work out the way that we want to, but Jesus will never not be faithful. He's the one who is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we can trust him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we're thankful for the example of David, Lord, who wasn't too proud to keep a psalm like this to himself. Maybe not wanting to be so vulnerable or transparent or honest to, to say that he, he sinned, that he felt like, God, you were chastening him. He wasn't too proud to say that he was weak and in need of your mercy. He wasn't too proud to say that he had some fears of what might happen in death or what his enemies might do to him. But Lord, he, he pressed into you with all of those things. Lord, he unloaded all of his cares onto you. Because God, he trusted that you cared about him. God, he trusted that you were merciful. That you would draw near. Lord, that you would forgive. That you, would, that you could heal and, and save and deliver. Frustrate the plans of his enemies. Confident, Lord, that you had heard and received his prayers. God, I pray this morning you would make us confident, even more confident in you. God, that we would trust you, Lord, that we would stand firmly upon the promises of your word. Lord, that even as the psalmist wrote, Lord, that we would believe that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God, meet each of us where we're at. Lord, maybe today for some, everything's great, actually. And that's awesome, Lord, and we praise you for that. God, maybe for them, this is more of just a, a, a preparative sort of word. Lord, maybe you're equipping them for things that they will face in the future. To be able to look back and because of your past faithfulness, be able to have present confidence in whatever they face then. But God, for those that are dealing with stuff, Lord, they're struggling. God, there's uncertainties. Maybe they're asking how long. Maybe they're asking why, Lord. Maybe they're asking how something's going to work out. Lord God, would you meet them in each of those things? God, that they would be able to trust in you, rest, even before the things worked out. Lord, to rest in you. God, give your people your peace, your perfect peace this morning. God, would you forgive? Would you heal? Would you deliver? Would you save? Lord, work in ways that only you can. And Lord, if anyone has joined us this morning who doesn't 
just have a personal relationship with you. Lord, that first piece, Lord, the most important piece, God, is where they stand with you. That, Lord, for them this morning, if that's anyone, that, that they would know that, God, that their sin has separated them from you. And there's only one remedy for that and, that, and that remedy has been provided through the cross of Calvary. It's been provided through the, the sacrificial, substitutional death of Jesus Christ almost 2,000 years ago on a Roman cross. That, Jesus, you hung on our place. You took our sin. You took, Lord, our guilt. You, you bore the wrath of the Father in our place so that we could be forgiven. We could be cleansed. We could receive your righteous standing and be given the promise and hope of eternity with you. And if that's anybody in here today and, and you need to make that decision to just give your life to Jesus Christ, to surrender to him, it's going to take humility. It's easier to, to think like, oh, well, I'll work it out. I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a good person. It doesn't work that way. No one's grandfathered in. No one's goodness is going to get them in. It is a free gift that, that God alone offers through his son, Jesus. And this morning, that offer is available for any. If you stand where you're at and you want to know this morning that your sins are forgiven, that your debt's been paid, would you stand? Lord, if there is any, even in their heart, maybe there's, there's this inward struggling, maybe there's even some joining online or maybe later we'll listen to this, God, and, and that's them, Lord, would they just in their own hearts just confess their sin to you, Lord? Would they repent, Lord? Would they turn from their sin and, and turn to you by faith, Lord God? Lord God, would they... Just in their own hearts say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me? Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you make me a new creation? Would you seal me with your Holy Spirit? And God, would you give me the hope and promise of eternity with you. The Bible says if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we'll believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So Lord, would you save? Lord, would you deliver? Lord, would you heal? Would you work in circumstances even this morning? God, help us to leave this place hope-filled people because we remember who our God is, because we're confident in the power and character and nature of our God. And Lord, as we sing these songs in response, Lord, God, would, would we just worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord, just opening our hearts fully to you, not holding back. Lord, as we take the communion elements, Lord, would we truly commune with you, Lord, as we re remember, Lord, your body that was broken, your blood that was shed for us. 
Lord, as we take advantage of the prayer team, Lord, and, and maybe get prayer, prayed for this morning, Lord, we just ask that you continue to work, Lord, in this time. We thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.